When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clint. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. This is official episode 70. We have to do another special shout out. To Mark for coming on last week. Uh, I mean, last episode, it was great having him on. My voice has improved slightly. Uh, my microphone's not working again. Shout out to Amazon. Um, so, yeah, we're back. We got uh, Thursday Night Football Night, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. We also have Cy Young and MLB, uh, MLB MVP award winners were announced today, as well as some Chase Young news which I'll refer to in last call. And we have a big old six-pack of good games. So they're all tall boy double IPA. So they're going to be some – they're good. It's good. So let's get rolling. Uh, Thursday Night Football Night, Browns and the Steelers. Browns coming off of a unlikely win against the Buffalo Bills where Baker criticized the fans for being too loud while he was on offense. Um, you also have the Steelers coming off of an improbable, another improbable win over the Rams, who, like I called, are falling apart. Minka Fitzpatrick playing out of his mind. So I'll bring in the crew here. Jared, uh, Kevin and Savannah are here as well. First off, guys, is there any situation where the Steelers don't win tonight? Yes. Okay, fire. Go. I think Minkovich Patrick is huge, huge get for this team, but that's one guy on defense, and their defense is playing fine. This isn't a knock on the rest of them saying it's a bunch of scrubs, but one guy can only take you so far. And the Browns, nothing has really come out saying they really dislike Freddie Kitchens, but Freddie Kitchens is coaching for his job at this point. If they don't win tonight, expect an announcement tomorrow or Saturday that he's gone. And that's two that's three head coaches in four years which is the Browns MO but this year they had a lot of hopes going into the season with their revamped roster number one pick Heisman winner at quarterback OBJ Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt Jarvis Landry and their defense is also has some playmakers I can see hopefully in the past week Freddie Kitchens kind of threw out his playbook and went you know what it it worked against the Bills but it's not going to work the rest of the way and we need to kind of rethink this, and hopefully the players kind of respond well to that and go out and ball out. Savannah? I don't think, I mean, Freddie Kitchens might be coaching for his job, but the thing is, is I don't think that's going to matter. He's clearly an awful play call. Like he doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense the type of plays that he calls. But, um, I, yeah, I think a Patrick is going to make a big difference on this defense. Um, everyone knows that Baker's accuracy is very low, that um, he throws under pressure, he throws picks. Um, 
Antonio Callaway had really good stats with Baker Mayfield last year, and now they released him because he's facing a 10-game suspension. So I don't. I think the Steelers have this one. I think they're. I'm not saying that it's going to be a blowout, but I think the Steelers are going to win. And plus, the Browns being home has no advantage to them. All right. So Kev, I know what you're saying about making Fitzpatrick one being one guy. But that Steelers defense isn't horrible. They have a lot of decent players. You know, you have T.J. Watt, who's becoming a very great pass rusher. Uh, Artie Burns, an upcoming corner from the U. Uh, Joe Hayden, still ain't nothing to shake his stick at, even though he's a dinosaur at this point. Um, and, of course, you know, you got guys like Bud Dupree, who aren't, like, all-stars, but they're still great players. I And Casey Hayward. I really do love the Steelers defense. I think they've really kind of shown that, like, they're not as bad as you thought they were going to be. We can mark that as a Denny Green reference. I'll get, I'll let that one slide. Um, I got the Steelers by at least a touchdown tonight. I think that they're going to get after Baker early. That defensive line is – that offensive line for Cleveland is so bad. Watt and Dupree are going to be in Baker's grill every other play, and it's going to be ugly. I think it might be a blowout tonight by at least 20 points. Unless – unless – Kitchens figures out how to get the ball in space out fast, which I highly doubt. Also, I think, they have my eighth chance we're going to have to run the ball with Nick Chubb like 30 carries. I think also I'd expect Baker to look OBJ's way more after his outburst about it recently. I Baker, whether what you like, if you like him, dislike him, I think it doesn't seem like an unreasonable person. I'm pretty sure that if OBJ talked to him, he'd go, that's my bad. I will look at you more. And I think Kareem Hunt coming back, I know he was back last week, and another week kind of playing in full speed games will give them a boost. Yeah, Kareem Hunt in the screen games can be interesting. So, I don't know. I mean, I just – I just Cleveland just looks so bad. And Buffalo – I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're not going to get blown. So, I'll pull back. Maybe it's like a 10-point win. Like, they're not going to get smacked around, but it's not going to be that close. I like how you went from a 7-point win to a 20-point win to a 10-point win. Yeah, my brain is a pinball machine, so. All right, now, it's time for local newsman Kevin Langley. Kevin, what's on the headlines today? Uh, This week, the number one team in the country, the Kentucky Wildcats, fell to Evansville by a score of 67 to 64. I don't even know where Evansville is. Ohio, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I, think I, don't, know. I don't even know that. All right, I'm going to get clarification, Kevin. Keep going. <clears throat> it's in Indiana. Okay, even faster. There you go. That's it. Discuss about Kentucky losing. Um, It's early in the season, but, <laughs> I mean... There's a certain thing certain teams just don't recover from. And I feel like Kentucky was overhyped. I mean, they, they didn't have the number one or two recruits in the country, being Cole Anthony or James Wiseman. They didn't have the best collective team. I just feel like that whole Kentucky moniker, they're always so hyped at the beginning of the year. And then by, like, January, it's like, oh, they're such an afterthought. I remember the year like that, they had, like, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. They're supposed to be unstoppable. They were like a five seed by playoff time. So, I don't know. It, it's it's early in the season. I really want to see teams actually like – because remember, Zion's 
the Duke Blue Devils were number one almost the entire year until Zion got hurt, and then they just really were never the same. But, uh, yeah, so college basketball early in the season, this is more just entertainment value because nobody really likes Kentucky. So, <clears throat> I'd also like to point out, Evansville, first off, their team, they are the Evansville Purple Aces, which is amazing. Uh-huh. And they have not made the NCAA tournament in 20 years. But they have made it five times. Hmm. All righty. So uh, what do you got next on this? Um. So Colin Kaepernick has a NFL-sponsored tryout. And there's been a lot of debate about or a lot of going back and forth between Kaepernick's team and the NFL. At first, there were going to be a, – a list was going to be given to them about – who, what teams were going to be there, and but this is an NFL-sponsored tryout, like I said, and the list of teams committed to attend has come out, and those teams are the Cardinals, Falcons, Browns, Broncos, Lions, Dolphins, Patriots, Giants, Jets, Bucks, and the Redskins, all in the market for a quarterback. I mean... Savannah, I'll let you take first crack at this one. Um, I mean, I'm really not that shocked that that many people are, or that many teams are showing up. What I'm really shocked about is that I, I don't see Cincinnati or Chicago on that list. Um, I know Chicago has talks maybe getting Cam Newton, but still, um, I think uh, I think that it's going to be funny when someone signs Colin Kaepernick and then he comes back and he's a backup and he has to deal with that because I don't think that's what he's expecting. I think all these teams in need of a quarterback are going to come and try him out and he's going to be like, yeah, I know I'm getting the starting job. I mean, here's the thing about Kaepernick, and I said this to my buddy the other day, he was a big Kaepernick supporter, and I said to him, listen, taught me two years ago, yeah, Kaepernick deserves, a start, deserves at least a backup slob or half the morons in this league, but – it's been three years now since he's thrown a football. And the second Jim Harbaugh left, his numbers nosedived. In his defense, the entire team's numbers nosedived. Basically. But it's just like I feel like it, it started off as kind of a hype thing. Like, oh, my God, Kaepernick lost his job because of this. I'm like, he also was really bad. Like, it wasn't like he, like this just hurt. Like, he was a lot of distraction, but also he was like – I think that year he ranked like 30th or 31st in QB percent or in all QB stats or something like that. So, I mean, listen, I'm all for him getting a job. He can go to New England. That'd be great. If if he is a distraction in New England, he's gone. Oh, yeah. Same thing. It was the same way with A.B. recently, Tim Tebow, Chad Johnson. Albert Hainsworth. Well, Albert Hainsworth stayed for a year. I think he just sucked. Um, two more quick points about this. Well, my thoughts. I think he deserves a look. I think it's weird this is an NFL-sponsored tryout in Atlanta that they're telling teams to go to. But, one, those were just the 11 teams that had already committed. There could be more on the way. So, the Bears, the Bengals, although the Bengals might not want, they might be scared that he might be able to win them a game, and they want that number one pick. <laughs> um, and... Tanking for Joe Burrow, but and there was also rumors going around that part of the reason that the, the NFL is sponsoring this was 
due to fears of another lawsuit. Fair enough. So, regardless of what, who you are, what you are, how much you make, lawsuits are just ugly for PR. So, and even if he wins and only asks for a hundred thousand dollars, he's not going to. He's going to ask for way more. Like his last lawsuit was uh, somewhere between one and ten million, but you still have to pump so many resources just into fighting that lawsuit. Oh yeah. And they might have lost one to ten million, but I wouldn't be surprised if with their lawyers they had to put twenty million in. So, next up on the docket, the MLB awards are slowly coming out. Your Cy Young winners are Jacob Degrom for the second year in a row, and Justin Verlander for the AL, which is his second AL Cy Young award. And then for the MVP, it was Mike Trout and Cody Bellinger, both L.A. guys. Um, I'm going to take that Garrett Cole didn't win it. I thought he was well more deserving, but, I mean, I don't hate Verlander. Um, good for him. DeGrom, he's like him and Alonzo are the two, like, non-dark spots on that um, horrifying Mets roster. And then, of course, you have um, Bellinger. You know, he just hit a lot of dingers. He played for the best team in the NL. I get it. And, you know, good for Mike Trout. He's going to be playing mediocre baseball for the rest of his life. Might as well get some MVPs while he's at it. The the AL MVP should just be the Mike Trout Award because it feels like outside of last year, he's won it the last six times. He's so damn good. Yes, I'm not – but their, their team is so bad, they can never figure anything out to get them into the postseason. Yeah, partially because they pump so much money into that contract. Oh, yeah. And also, the Cy Young Award, I think it's a stupid award. You're still mad about the Red Sox guy losing a couple years ago? Oh, no. I'm not mad about Chris Sale not winning it last year, which he should have. I'm mad that they gave it to Blake Snell. It's ridiculous. He wasn't a starting pitcher. The Rays were using that stupid, we're just going to use five relievers throughout the game, and we're not going to have a starting pitcher. We're going to have an opener who's going to pitch like three innings a game. It's ridiculous. I don't get why they gave it to him. I get why 21 wins, 1.89 ERA. He had a good year, but still. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, he's a really talented pitcher. I think like, you're right about the system. I mean, back in the day, the Cy Young used to mean something. You guys like Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez just mowing down batters for eight innings, then going out for the closer. That was it. And they locked those things up by J- by freaking August. My boy, Ray, my, my favorite baseball player of all time, big unit, four straight Cy Youngs in a row for the Diamondbacks. Like, that's one of our few bright spots. So there you go. Also, Blake Snell, not a talented pitcher. Hmm. Agree to disagree. 2018 was the high point of his career, and it was a very high, high point. 21 wins, 1.89 ERA. But that was the only time he had an ERA above 3.5 his entire career. Only time he had more than six wins in his career. He's only been in the majors for four years. But still, in this year, six wins, eight losses, 4.29 ERA. All right, fair enough. Chris Archer is a better pitcher on that roster anyway. 
Charger still on the race? No, he's not. He's on the Pirates now. Okay. I was thought they shipped him out. They didn't feel like paying for his contract. Um, what's what else you got? And finally, James Wiseman, the number one projected number one prospect, potential number one pick in this year's draft, has been suspended by the NCAA due to being ineligible. Indefinitely. Initial per- what? Indefinitely suspended. Yes. Investigation. Due to reports that Penny Hardaway paid to have his family move to Memphis when he committed. And James Wiseman's lawyers are appealing this decision. His lawyers, which are Ballin, Ballin, and Fishman. Just had to get that name in there. That's awesome. Um, Does this hurt his draft stock? You think it's a big loss for Memphis this year? Did you think Memphis was going to do much this year? Memphis, you know, it's so funny. Like, I, when I heard they got the number one recruit, I was like, it's not even like the Derrick Rose year where they had like four other top 100 recruits. It's, it's you know, they're an average team. I love Penny. You know, he's, my, he's one of my favorite all-time players. But, I mean, he should have known this was going to get ugly. And it doesn't hurt his draft stock. Kyrie still went number one. He played four games. They know what Wiseman's about. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Wiseman's one of those guys who probably could have gone straight to the league if it was still allowed. So, I mean, it's I not really going to hurt him. I think also the NCAA should just say, like, hey, within reason. I'm not saying that, you know, if you want to give a player a million dollars. Like, if, coach, if you want to help a player move, fine. Go for it. And I'm adding in the stipulation that it can't be excessive. It can be just, like, to help the move or something. Because last episode I said that. And you guys gave me crap saying, like, oh, of course you want that because Nick Saban makes so much. No, I just think it's ridiculous that if a kid's already committed and his family is going to be moving there, a coach can't help out at all. Yeah, I mean, pre, pre-committing, pre yeah, I get yes. it. Yeah, you can't tell a commit like a recruit, hey, I will pay for your entire family to move. But if he's already committed and his family is starting the moving process, but at this point it feels like if a coach says, yeah, like I'll help you unload the moving truck, the NCAA will suspend the kid. Yeah, that's a half season suspension for unloading the moving truck. Uh, you had one more surprise thing for me in Savannah. No, that was a Kaepernick thing. Oh, all right. So we actually have our first uh, questions from one of our followers, my boy uh, Jeffrey Nunez, a buddy of mine. He's um, at Johnny Maserati on Twitter. His questions were very simple. Before we jump into the six-pack, he asked me, one, what's Freddie Kitchen's future with the Browns? He's gone, like Kevin already said, he might be gone after tonight. I personally think he's gone after the season. I feel like Cleveland knows they're done. The season's over. We're not going to. Wait, they're not going to create further chaos and make it look worse by embarrassing kitchens. They don't care. I don't think they care. They they have a history of firing coaches after the second Pittsburgh game of the season. When they lose, they fired Hugh Jackson at this point last year. Uh, They fired Eric Mangini, a couple other coaches. I don't think they care. I think they're going to want to try to find their next coach as soon as possible with a young quarterback. Fair enough. Savannah, what do you think of the Freddie Kitchens thing? Um, I don't think he's gone after 
uh, if they lose this game. Like, I agree with you. I think that he's going to stay until the end of the season. But, I mean, I'm almost 100% sure, like, he's going to be gone. Like I said, he's a horrible play caller. He doesn't – he just doesn't – I don't think he's just a uh, the right fit for this team, which sucks because there was so much hype around him about how he was going to make this Browns team, like, amazing, and he has failed. There you go. Um, and finally he asked – my buddy Jeffrey asked, uh, who is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? Because we all know Kev's Patriots, unless the Ravens, you know, can pull off the playoff miracle, probably going to be the Patriots in the AFC again. Woo! Unless the Chiefs realize how how you actually play defense, which is highly unlikely. Um, so I, I, I really, I really can't actually pick a team because after, after Monday night, it went all, like I said on Tuesday, we're right back to where we're the, towards the beginning of the season. There's a bunch of teams that are good, a couple teams that are almost good enough, and a team that could get hot. It's it's very weird. So I'm going to tell you some teams that will not win a Super Bowl. Minnesota, because they're too run-dependent, and Kirk Cousins can literally kill them if he gets overwhelmed. Dallas, it's not even because of Dak or Zeke. It's because Jason Garrett's play calling and Kellen Moore – Teams have figured them out. And my last like team that's in the mix that will not win the uh, Super Bowl is the Rams. I already told you why. They're they're falling out. Now, my bubble teams that are highly unlikely but have a shot are the 49ers because I don't trust Jimmy G. <clears throat> Philadelphia. Because if they can get past Dallas, they have an experienced playoff roster, which Dallas does not. Like, they've been there. They know what they're doing. And Wentz, you know, he's hungry to get that title to shut up everyone about Nick Foles. Now, the teams, I think, can actually win the damn thing. The Packers, because if their defense can stay in it, Aaron Jones is a bona fide MVP candidate. And you know what? You know what number 12 can do. I respect the sheriff. Now, they just better hope they don't run the Philadelphia in the playoffs again. Um, of course, New Orleans, as much as I hate admitting it, um, their defense play out of their minds. I think this week was kind of a hiccup. And, uh, of course, you know, Seattle, that defense woke up. If they can even get an 80% of what Clowney and the boys were doing on, um, Monday night, that is a completely different season. So those are like my five, six teams that have a shot. Um, I think my playoff picture is going to be um, it's still going to be uh, number one, New Orleans two, um, Green Bay three, Seattle four, Philly. Wildcard teams will be New Orleans and Minnesota, but uh, I mean not New Orleans, uh, San Fran and Minnesota. San Fran being the number one seed wildcard, but I just what San Fran showed me last night was. They're relying way too much on their defense to win them games, and Jimmy G's not Russell Wilson. You can't follow that mold, that Seattle mold. What do you guys think? I think it's going to come down to Green Bay, uh, New Orleans, and Seattle. I think even though New Orleans lost to a bad Falcons team, teams have bad losses all the time and bounce back. I think with an experienced quarterback in Drew Brees, they have the defense to play with them. Alvin Kamara is a great running back. They got Michael Thomas. I can see them making a run or another run because they went on a run without Drew Brees. Um, 
Green Bay, I think you can't count them out. If their run game's not working, they'll just have Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. Their defense is better than it has been in the past. And Seattle's got Russell Wilson, so you really can't count them out of anything. I'm Savannah, what do you think? Because me and Kev are on the same page, basically. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think it's going to come down to New Orleans, Seattle, and Green Bay. But honestly, um, this week 12, assuming that San Francisco is going to beat the Cardinals this upcoming week, uh, it, this is really going to be for home field advantage week 12. And I think that if Green Bay gets home field advantage, that they're probably going to be the team to um, – to the Super Bowl. Uh, everyone knows that once the cold starts hitting, like most of these teams play in a dome or they're always playing where it's warm, it's hard to play in Lambeau. And every single person on the Packers team is used to the cold. And um, our defense hasn't been looking that great recently, but they have already matched the takeaways from last season. Um, everyone knows what Aaron Rodgers can do. And Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are a very good, very almost great running back duo um so i'm I'm pitching i think it's on my head right now because you you just made a good point there's only about two or three teams i could even see going into green bay and winning one of them is my eagles because they're a cold weather team too and they're on the football two and they beat them already two seattle because russell wilson and they'll and chris carson is a top 10 running back you can't deny that he's they can pound the rock when they need to they don't need to rely on wilson yeah. And then definitely not the Saints because that's going to kill, like, their offense. Right. Unless Kamara goes off, there's no way. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about Seattle, though, with the Packers. Uh, Packers have always struggled against Seattle with Russell Wilson, but those struggles have always been at Seattle. So I think if it's at Lambeau, it's going to be a different story. And the only other team I could see, and that would, it would have to be, like, a wild card game, would be Minnesota. Only because they're a cold weather team too. Yes, they are a dome team, but like, I don't know, I, I do I could see it just because it's a rivalry, but that'd right. be a very unlikely one. So there you go, Jeffrey. Thanks for uh, hitting us up, man. Appreciate it. Any other you guys want to ask us questions? Either text us if you have our numbers, DM the uh, Instagram or the Twitter, and we will get back to you and answer them right before we do this so guys let's crack a six pack time to rock and roll georgia bulldogs auburn tigers uh line opened up at auburn plus two and a half kevin who are you going with i'm going with auburn i think if they win this game they can still make a new year's six bowl it's at jordan hare stadium and this is it's not doesn't have the hype of the Iron Bowl, but Auburn versus Georgia is still a big rivalry. Auburn's about 10, 15 minutes from the Georgia line. Anything can happen in these games, and I can see Auburn pulling it off. I um I was with you for the most part, but then I looked at two stats that really stuck out to me. I was looking at this game. One, uh, Georgia, of course, a very run-heavy team, and Auburn allows. 112 on the ground average per game. That's not a lot. But against one of the best rushing attacks in, in uh, FBS. And Georgia's defense only allows about 10.1 a game. And they've had two quality wins. It's really hard for me to pick against Georgia right now. I got to go Bulldogs. <clears throat> yeah, Savannah. I, I got to pick the Bulldogs too. Uh, I think 
Georgia's line is doing really well. They're hardly, hardly letting Jake Fromm get uh, touched at all. And uh, Auburn, I mean, I know they had that good one against Ole Miss, but the quarterback, when he plays for, when he played against Oregon, Florida, LSU, he doesn't even hit 42% of his passes. And Georgia's defense is second ranked behind Ohio State. So, to me, it makes sense to pick Georgia. All right. I think also, though, Georgia gave up over 100 yards on the ground to South Carolina, and that's why they lost. That game was also like that one fluke game, because you know the old old saying, 19-year-olds are never the same week to week. I feel like that was their fluke game. There's always one in college every year. Um, next up, we have our belly-up game of the week, by the way, Big Kev. Uh, so you want to give a quick shout-out? Yeah, head over to our forum in the college football section. If you predict the score of this game correctly and the winner, you can't pick the wrong winner but the right score, you will win a free shirt of your choosing from our store. And no one's picked it right, so you'll also be the first one to get the score right. So head over to our forum and give it a go. And me and Kevin might be doing some halftime commentary for this game too, by the way. Who knows? Look out. Um, But also it's uh, Baylor versus uh, number 10 Oklahoma versus 13 Baylor. I looked at this game for about 35 seconds, and I said, Jalen Hurts is second in the country in quarterback rating. Baylor's defense almost gave up, almost lost to West Virginia. No further questions, Your Honor. I got Oklahoma. I have Oklahoma. Kansas State was a fluke. Oklahoma's a really good team. Yeah, everyone's ripping them apart, and I'm like, it's college football. It's fluky as hell. Yeah, I – yeah. I have to pick Oklahoma, too. They're a really good team. Jalen Hurts looks awesome. Clean sweep. All right. Next up. Now, this game, I was hearing all day today. Oh, Minnesota, you know, they're so high. They won their Super Bowl against um, against Penn State last week. They're not going to be ready. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Or, hear me out. This is a really good coach team that scores a lot of points and dominated Penn State for most of that game, even though the scoreboard doesn't really show it. Uh, if you actually watch the game, it was a that you the score was very misleading. I got I got um, Minnesota. I'm riding with them. They know they've got Ohio State waiting for them in the title game, and they are going full steam ahead. And that Gopher during the field goal kicks, <laughs> that's instantly my favorite thing now. I got Minnesota. I think they are way better than people expected. I think it's their coaching is why they're better. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't think they're going to make the college football playoff. I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten. But Iowa's not going to be that loss. Savannah? Yeah, I have Minnesota, too. I'm looking at the game thinking, oh, well, maybe Iowa. Because Minnesota's favored in this game, right? Uh, Minnesota is favorite, I believe. Okay, yeah, so I'm thinking, oh, maybe Iowa can uh, pull up the upset. And um, I think it's going to be a really close game, but there was a stat that I saw. Uh, it's like how you finish games. So Minnesota is 5-0 and in games decided by a touchdown or less, and Iowa's only 2-3 and in those games. I think it's going to be a close game, and Minnesota obviously knows how to close out those games. It's a simple answer why that happens. Kevin, who's uh, Iowa's head coach? <laughs> he is Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. He sucks in he he sucks in tight games. He has his entire career. <clears throat> so that's that's why I went that's why I went Minnesota. All right. So 
basically, except for Kevin, we've all taken um we've all taken uh favorites here. So Kevin, is that your upset pick Auburn over um Georgia? Yes. All right. You have to say a little more enthusiasm next time. All right. NFL time. The battle of the mobile ACC quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson and the Texans take on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Now, I stared at this game for 20 minutes on my couch trying to figure out how I was picking this. On one hand, you have the team that beat New England. On the other hand, you have the team that matches up statistic-wise with the Ravens. I was trying to decide in my head how this would work. And then I realized something. The Houston Texans have the number four rush. Uh, I think it's number four, right? Number four, number four. Uh, no, uh, no. Third rank rush, fourth rank rushing defense. And, the, of course, the Ravens have the number one rushing offense. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works. If the Texans can figure out how to keep Ingram in that Heisman formation, which I love, by the way, and Lamar Jackson in the pocket and, like, stifled just a little bit, Lamar Jackson's got to be him with his arm. I guess a kind of bad Houston secondary. I think it's going to be a shootout. But one thing about Deshaun Watson, he wins shootouts. So I got the Texans by a field goal. It's going to be uber close. I could not spend 20 minutes looking at this game because I have a job. I have a job too. I just head off today. Oh, lucky you. Uh, I'm just messing with you, Jared. You know I love you. Oh, God, I'm becoming your punching bag lately, and I'm really not liking it. <laughs> now you know how your cousin feels. Yeah, um, well, that's no longer happening. I have the Ravens. I think their defense is good. Not great, but it's good. It can hold most teams to low enough scoring to keep their offense in it. And I think their offense with Lamar Jackson is great. Even if he's not running the ball, he's still shown an ability to pass. He's not a next-level passer yet. I expect him to get there, but I think his passing is good enough and coupled with his running ability, I can see the Ravens pulling this off at home. Alrighty. Savannah? This this is a tough one for me just because of, obviously, the MVP candidate. Both of the teams as, as holes are decent teams. But to me, uh, the Texans haven't allowed an individual like 100-yard rusher since – week 17 of 2017. So I think the Texans are going to be able to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, keep Mark Ingram contained. And uh, Deshaun Watson's obviously a great passer. He has great accuracy. He's one of only three quarterbacks to have over a 70 percentage completion percentage. He's going to get uh, DeAndre Hopkins involved. And I think they're going to come away with the win. Also, one thing to point out about the Patriots and the Ravens last year, last uh, time the the uh, Patriots walked on the field against the Ravens, it um, the Patriots really don't have a vertical deep threat, and that's like the one thing that Marcus Peters struggles with. Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins can both run, so I think it's gonna be a little more of uh, you know a little uglier. So Savannah, you said you're picking the Texans, right? Yes, I am. All right, so I'm not alone in this one. Kevin's Lone Wolf now on the Ravens. <clears throat> um, next up, this game I picked only for respect for the man who's playing quarterback for the Jaguars this week. Nick Falls is back. He's taking on Jacoby Brissett, who's also back. So this actually is going to be a good game. Um, I was looking at – I tried to figure out who I was picking here, and 
Um, both teams' defenses are average. Like, I mean, the Colts are a little better versus the run than the Jags are, but they're both pretty average in the pass, especially the last couple weeks. They just lost to the Dolphins last week, so the Colts are probably pissed. But the Jaguars are healthy, and I, I started DJ Chark this week for a reason, man. Oh, I am picking Nick Foles and the Jaguars and my boy Leonard Fournette to get the W because I think this is where the Jags start making that run for that last wild card spot. It's Oakland, Jacksonville, my wild card teams in the AFC. So uh, might as well start coming to fruition now. I have the Colts. Nick Foles is back, which is great for the Jaguars, but he missed, was it nine weeks? Yes. With that collarbone injury, he's going to be rusty. I think that the Colts with Jacoby were set back after missing a week. Two. Two. Okay. Still, he's out for less time. I think he could have um, He could have come back last week, but they kind of thought, oh, well, it's the Dolphins, so we're not going to rush him back. That was a mistake. But I think with Jacoby Brissett in there, I can see the Colts winning. Savannah. Yeah, I have the Colts, too. Uh, clearly, the Colts are way different team with Jacoby Brissett on offense and defense, which sounds weird, but it's very true. I know Nick Foles is coming at, back, but, yeah, he's going to be rusty. The only way I can see Indy not winning this game, because I can see it's going to be close, is because Adam, Van- Adam Venateri has not been the kicker that he normally is. He's missed 11 field goals or extra points total already which is the most of the NFL already this season. But I still have Indianapolis in the win. All righty. Now, <clears throat> this is the game. I hate picking, putting my Eagles in this because, you know, the last three times I've done it this year, they've lost. But fuck it. I wasn't getting around it. So here we go. Rematch of Super Bowl 52. The amazing Tom Brady and that incredible Patriots defense taking on the somehow treading water led by General Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, somehow still alive, Philadelphia Eagles. Savannah, you go first. Uh, you see what happened to New England when they played like a really strong team. I think that this game's going to be close, but I still have New England. All righty. Kevin, do I really need to ask? I have New England. I think if you you look at why the Patriots lost to the Ravens, it was partially bad defensive play calling. They seem to forget that they're facing a mobile quarterback. But also, the the Ravens have an explosive weapon in Marquise Brown. They have a solid ground game behind Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson. Not, I think both, all three of those, the Eagles don't have. They don't have a quarterback. Solid ground game. That's the one thing we do have. We average over 130 yards a game, I believe, or something like that around that. We I have more from the quarterback. Oh, okay, yeah. For running backs, because the Patriots' run defense is ranked like 24th in the, in the league? 25th. Thank you. But I think Carson Wentz can move a bit, but Lamar Jackson's generational talent in terms of athleticism. Mm-hmm. He And they don't have a deep threat, really. Like. Yeah. I'm now not Deshaun Jackson's out. Their only deep threat really is um, Jordan Matthews. I mean, he's not a bad receiver, but 
Deshaun Jackson and him are in two different light years. So yeah. also Jordan Matthews has been cut from a few teams for a reason. He only works when he wear e- wears Eagles green. I can't figure it out. Okay, he only plays well when he plays in for Philadelphia. He sucks everywhere else. So, but so right. I have I have the Pats. Yeah, okay. we all know that New England's like a great team. They're going to like even though their schedule is easy, they're going to make it to the AFC Championship or even the Super Bowl. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to pick against them. Unless they're playing a super elite team. All right. Well, this was the game I wanted to avoid at all costs because I am very superstitious. Kevin knows this. Um, so, a couple stats, though. Eagles ranked fourth in run defense. The Patriots' main usage on offense is running with, when they are in games that get ugly is running with Sonny Michelle. Uh, Philly's also seventh in pass rush win percentage. That was interesting to me. I said, huh. So, what's New England ranked for stopping elite pass rushes? Which Philadelphia's is very elite. Especially, they ran into a little trouble the first two or three weeks when Fletcher Cox was injured. They didn't have Gerald Avery and, you know, they didn't have Timmy Jurgen, But now they have all those guys back and their pass rush is insane. Um, pass to Mitch Trubisky. New England is ranked 23rd against the pass rush. Especially with the fact they're on the third left tackle. Um, some key players to watch in this game are Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. If they can get the run game going, this game is going to be close because Sanders is explosive plays and Howard is just, he doesn't cough the ball up. He's a physical runner. He's still third since 2016 with yards from rushing yards from scrimmage. And we don't have a big play threat, but honestly, neither is New England. And that's the one thing the Philadelphia Eagles secondary struggles with. They're fine against the – they're top against the run. They're, I think they're fifth against – sixth against the run. They are – underneath passing, they're, they're fine. It's only when they take on elite deep threats, Stephon Diggs and Amari Cooper, they struggle. <sighs> it's going to kill me to do this, but I, I got to pick my Eagles. I can't do it. I said <laughs> they still win this thing. I still think they can still win this title this year. I don't give up on them. Cause it's not my, it's not in my blood. I can't do it. It's like you know how Kyle Bryant always goes against, can't pick against his Bears, whatever. I can't pick against my Eagles. Mark is the most Debbie Downer Eagles fan ever. He's already given up on them. I can't because we got eleven who's been blessed by Jesus. So it's Russell Wilson. So, but I, I can't pick against my Eagles. They're gonna pull off something stupid, something crazy, and then they're gonna go and they're gonna play Seattle next week. Where, if, you know, even if they do lose this game, it's going to be close. And the thing is, they play Seattle, a 1 o'clock game against a West Coast team, which is a huge home field advantage for Philly. And then they get a cake schedule except for Dallas till the end of the season. This is where the, turn, the turnaround started against Buffalo, and it continues. I think Philadelphia pulls this off. Two-point win. 31-28. I don't know. 3.31-28. Okay, so they have an elite pass rush. Tom Brady's got a quick release. Are your pass rushes that fast? No, but they're tall enough. And also, Kev, Kev, Kev it's for listen. Kyle Brandt today brought the Kill Bill Club. I love it. It was the funniest segment ever. It was Ham Coughlin, um, Eli Manning, Nick Foles, um, Alshon. They had a whole list of Eagles and Giants players. It was hilarious. I, I was laughing about it, but. It, is funny that he included a coach on there 
who gave up 500 yards to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. But y'all still lost. Yeah, because our defense was trash. Our defense is better now. Do you know what New England's well, record is? Too. That's the best part. Do you know what New England's record is after a loss? But generally, you are playing an AFC t- AFC East team afterward. That's why, that's why those numbers are kind of skewed. Oh, you mean the AFC East team that has the highest win percentage in the NFL over the last 18 years? I'm saying y'all usually play an AFC East team after you guys usually lose a game like that. So. But so how is that like a positive? They. It's not. It's a negative against New England. I no. I gave New England is is gonna win the AFC. I don't see any team coming at them, even with the because the only thing is the NFC teams are the ones with all the pass rushers. Besides, I think um, Baltimore and um, Houston. They're the only teams that can get after the quarterback. The thing is, those teams are probably going to struggle in the playoffs because their quarterback – I mean, Bill O'Brien apparently, like, shrinks when he sees Bill Belichick. And Lamar Jackson hasn't made it past the first round yet. So, basically, old Bill and Tom are going to walk in the Super Bowl, like, smiling – while Philadelphia or New Orleans or Green Bay or San Fran or Seattle is going to have to just go through a, ga- a, a Thunderdome-style gauntlet fight to get there. So New England may end up winning another Super Bowl this year, but I'm saying right now in this game, when you have a Philadelphia team who's been called down and written off by everybody, but this isn't the Eagles team we're used to with the high-flying passing. They grind wins out. They're, they have they, Oh, by the way, Quick staff for you, when they are all five of their starters in their secondary, they are 15 and five. Technically 16 and five if you include Super Bowl 52. So that's what I got. Kev, you got some weird shit for us? I do. The Memphis Tigers football team, not their basketball team, has offered a scholarship to a very hopeful prospect who will be coming in in about 14 years. They offered a scholarship to Chris Claybrooks Jr., the son of junior defensive back for the Tigers currently, Chris Claybrooks. He is currently five years old. And the Memphis coach decided to offer him a scholarship already. There are some videos going around of him breaking ankles in his kindergarten game. But that is hysterical. This is like soccer over in Europe now. It's hilarious. I love it. I think it's more of a kind of a, like a good faith from the coach to the university and the player, but. Oh, that's definitely what it is, but it's still hy- hysterical. Oh, yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, I think, uh, guys, you ready for some smooth jazz? As ready as I've ever been. All right, let's kick that smooth jazz. All right. Chase Young, uh, it was announced, will only serve one more game of his suspension. He'll miss a game against Rutgers. To be honest, they could probably throw me on that D-line and still smoke Rutgers. That Rutgers is awful. They should have never jumped away from the Big East, but the Big East, they should have stayed in the Big East now, AC, AAC. They're like they're like the UConn of New Jersey. Basically, this Chase Young thing is all stupid. The whole incident in question is he, he had to get money to fly his girlfriend out to watch him in the Rose Bowl. That's one. Two, it's really convenient how his, his four-game suspension was lifted to two simultaneously when they played Penn State and Michigan for back-to-back weeks. Now, I am pro Chase Young here. I hate the NCAA and how they treat their players. I don't hate the whole organization, but I hate how they treat their players. 
I was so against, I was so for paying them. And I love Chase Young. He's going to be a great NFL player. Reminds me a lot of a more fundamentally sound and a more consistent Jadavian Clowney. The size, speed, power factor. But, so, the thing is, both sides suck at this. The NCAA sucks at this. Because basically, they realize their ratings are going to hit up a landslide. And they're like, oh God, we need Ohio State in the playoff. So, we need their start offensive lineman back for Penn State and for Michigan. That's basically what it came down to. There, there, there's no doubt in my mind. They, they look at this guy like, oh, crap. We're going to suspend the best player in the country who's a possible Heisman candidate at defense against the two best players in the team their schedule. We can't do that. Give him two games. He reported it. It's the flip-flopping between this. I get they if they just did two games right off the bat and they, they gate because they self-reported it. It was such a minor incident. But the NCAA here, like, it's they look so bad in this situation. At least in my eyes. Because I'm like, they're, they're, yeah, okay. Yeah, you see they're playing their, their hardest game in their schedule. And they play their, like, the one of the greatest rivals in college sports the week after. It, it's, it's just, it's just like, I shake my head at this. I really can't. With the NCAA. It's, like, so transparent what they're doing. And I, I it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like, blah. But, you know what? I hope Chase Young has like eight sacks and a couple and a couple forced fumbles. Just you know, make Penn State suffer. All right. So, anything else, guys? Nope. All righty. So, as my voice has almost completely come back to life, that is very surprising. Um. So, of course, you know, look out for us doing some live streams uh, over the weekends. Possibly me and Kevin doing some. Uh, you know, college football. Me and Savannah doing some halftime uh, commentary for the Monday and Thursday night games coming up in the future. Also, look out! I am releasing my first article in over a year. Kevin, I know, is excited to edit it um, this weekend, so it should be fun. Give it a link. I'll post it on our Twitter and Instagram story. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. What's Let's your address about- so I can send you a dictionary before you write it? I, have- <laughs> I love you too, buddy. All right. I'm Jared. That angular little bastard is Kevin, and that's Savannah. We're out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.